We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the world, the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is, faith, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to forgive you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Richard. Uh, my name's Ian. Good evening, everyone. Lovely to see you all. Uh, I can't see if they're here, but there's a young couple, Simon and Ellen Moran, and their uh, son Joshua, who are part of our congregation, uh, Simon's dad, who some of you might know, Jack Moran, been part of our church for 30 years, passed away on Thursday night. So I'll just let you know that. We'll celebrate his life this Thursday. Jack uh, is a fine man of God and has prayed lots for this church and the kingdom of God. So that's good. Uh, there's a lot on. Uh, why? Are we doing this pause tonight, how to make your life count? That's what I'd like you to think about. How do I make my life count, especially in regards to the kingdom of God? What am I doing that helps the kingdom of God expand and grow? Why do that tonight? A whole lot of reasons. Our World Missions Conference has been pushed forward uh, a week for, uh, because of our guest speaker. And also, we're sort of at the middle of 2019. Hard to imagine all of a sudden, a year has gone so quick, six months to go. And not just the middle of 2019, but we're also nearly at the end of this decade. And very soon another decade, 2020, is about to be with us. Uh, decades are pretty significant. There's a lot we can do in a decade. And so tonight, I want you to consider, how am I living the life that God has called me to? How am I impacting those around me? What, do I have, what has to change in my life? What do I have to rethink? I've been talking to Harry Goodhue uh, about a whole range of things way back. Some people here might remember 1988. It was our bicentenary. And, and we actually got all excited and handed out Bibles. Anyone involved in uh, handing out Good News Bibles? Uh, for Rhonda and I, 89 was a significant year because we considered about what did God want us to do with our lives and we made a decision to go into Bible college. And so it's a long time ago. Uh, but the decade, the Anglican Church called the 90s, the decade of evangelism. And I've been asking Harry what was going on at that time to do such a thing. And his main point is, as they looked around the culture in the late 80s, they saw how far removed we were from God 
and how we're becoming so secular. It's so long ago and it's like, wow, 30 years later, it's even worse. But we made a decision that we needed to live a life that made a difference to those around us. So that's why I'm asking this question. What am I doing to make my life count for the kingdom of God? What needs to change? What do I need to rethink? Uh, I love Paul's words in uh, Philippians 3. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Uh, it's, it's a great thing. Look forward. I like this uh, comment from Matthew Hagee. If you live to see the sun come up this morning, God still has a purpose for your life. Who here lived to see the sun come up this morning? No one. Wow. I've got a busy week of funerals this week. You all did. Which means you all, God still wants to do a work in your life. He still has a purpose for your life no matter what you're doing, uh, no matter what's happening in your life. I love this comment, uh, this slide about the past. Remember the, the uh, time lost cannot be regained. It cannot be regained. And a whole range of articles yesterday's Australian was talking about how we keep responding to others' agendas. Uh, the author, uh, Amantha uh, Imber, says six minutes is the average length of time an office worker can concentrate on a task before checking email. Six minutes, not long, she goes on to say. Uh, research by Deloitte shows 61% of people report checking their phone within five minutes of waking up to see what challenge and what is there. Her point is people are setting their days to react to other people's priorities. She's saying we need to have a bigger order in our lives, a bigger uh, purpose to live. And the kingdom of God gives us that purpose. And tonight there's a couple of things I want to share with you about the fruit of faith, the example of faith. We're going to have a, a living example of someone who's lived their life and made it count for God. A life of faith and the call of faith on all our lives. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, you indeed are a gracious God. We thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for how you've worked in our lives. We thank you for those who've gone before us, Father. May it be you indeed fire up a new generation to share the good news of Jesus with those around us, Father, so indeed in years to come, more people can know you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first point really is just the fruit of faith. What is the fruit that we have? And the Apostle Paul writes this in Colossians 1, 3-6. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have, I love this, for all God's people. Uh, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. It probably shouldn't surprise you that those three words, faith, Hope and love are there. Some people call them the three sisters of the Christian faith. Paul writes a lot about faith, love and hope and indeed he does that in 1 Corinthians 13 as well. He goes on to say this, that has come to you in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. There is just so much there. Paul is a passionate guy. He's writing this in prison, not from study. He's keen to give thanks to God, our Father, that has a great Old Testament covenant feel to it. He's keen that people are reminded about the work of God. And I love just that we word. We always thank God when we pray for you, uh, for all God's people. It's a community. He's writing to a community saying, guys, you're all in this together. To be reminded of that. 
And indeed Paul is thankful for the work of God in the lives of the Colossians as we should be thankful for the work of God in our lives. Uh, In a few weeks we'll get to hear from the uh, Indonesian team who just come back to hear what stood out to them. What has impacted them in their journey? What does it mean for the future? And so Paul, I think he's concerned about what's going on in people's lives. That's why he mentions there just in verse 5, you've already heard in the true message of the gospel, there's a bit of a crisis going on in the church. Uh, And so he wants to remind them of the hope they have indeed, so that in verse 10, you've already heard it from Richard, that they live a life worthy. They live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's so important that we understand that we want to live a life worthy. So many people I've been talking to of recent uh, weeks and months, it's like they feel they're called to grind out their Christian life until heaven. We are not called to grind out our life until God calls us home. It's like, oh, I've got to come to church again tonight. I don't know. I hope the coffee's on. I hope my friends turn up. Who's preaching? What music are we singing? Who's on the platform? Oh, you know. And so it's like, oh, we shouldn't be like that. It's like, Heavenly Father, I can still with freedom come and worship you and lift up my voice in praise and meet brothers and sisters and I get to encourage someone tonight and I get to be encouraged as well as I encourage others. And Paul gives thanks to God for that. This wonderful thing and this amazing work of God through the Holy Spirit in the life of the Colossians and we need to hold on to that. He mentions faith first, shouldn't surprise you, faith is key in all areas of Paul's life. All our spiritual resources come from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and indeed from the centre of God. And so Paul wants to echo that, the love. love he talks about here is not a love for self, it's a love for others. Indeed, Paul is passionate about that. That's why he says, for all the saints, love is always for someone else. No matter who they are, no matter what they do, I hope we have a love for all the saints as well. And this gospel, the good news of Jesus bearing fruit, isn't it wonderful that when the seed of the word of God is planted somewhere, it does bear fruit? It's a wonderful thing. I think it's the only seed that you can go to any place in the world and you'll see a result from and so Paul wants to acknowledge that and hope, hope stored up, this, this reality of the grace that's coming and changing people's lives and moving people to a new position with God. He's ex- so excited about that. And that's why we always have to keep in mind grace, grace that transforms. And it is truly, truly that grace transforms your life and my life. And that's why faith is so important, love is so important, hope is so important. He wants to really grab hold of the reality of the good news of Jesus, especially to the lost, and how it's changing their lives, and how it's impacting them. And his desire for the Colossians, as it is our desire here at Fig Tree, is that we take that good news and take it out to all those around us, here and beyond, people who don't know of Christ. Uh, And not just the good news of Jesus, but indeed helping them understand that we do truly love them and care for them. In our Vision 2020 book, we have this comment on page 21. uh, To be being socially engaged and aware is more than ever the current need. As Christians, we need to embrace the historical evangelical movement, which was about social engagement. Church once flourished as the centres of community life. It's true, but it's like if you're old enough, it's like, wow, that day's long gone. However, 
Therefore we need to once again do all we can to be a light to this city. I'll refer to this book later on. It's by an old fig tree boy, if I can call him that, Stuart Piggin. He co-authored this book called The Fountain of Public Prosperity. Uh, interesting read. Evangelical Christians in Australian History. When you read this, and I've just spent a week uh, with uh, 10 other Anglican leaders and our guest speaker was Joel Abel. Joel's a former lead pastor of Hillsong Australia. And when you read the history of the evangelical movement, you get a sense of, wow, it's like that's the current Pentecostal movement in Australia, to be truthful. Because there was such a passion in here historically for God and for others. And I don't know how many people here in the history, but I tell you what, it's a rich read. And we need to get back to that place and to remind ourselves that God hasn't finished with us. And that's why Paul is keen to see more and more people know about who God is, how the grace of God transforms people's lives. And he goes on and talks about an example of faith. And what he does, he knows the value of a colleague. And so you learned it from Epipras, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Paul knows what it's like to work with someone who actually makes a difference in his life, as indeed we all do. Uh, the ministry that Paul talks about here again, his colleague was passionate about the lost, passionate about serving God, passionate about understanding how God works in their lives. And so he wants to mention that, that you know, as he was empowered by the Spirit, as a fellow servant, a faithful minister, and so again, I want to say to you, it's not about us, it's about others. And the ministry he talks about, the ministry of evangelism and mission, it illuminates God's heart because at the core of God's heart is a passion for the lost, a passion to see more and more come to know God. And indeed, as I say that, there is one amongst us who for many years has continued to have such a passion. And to help you understand who this person is, please watch the screen. Could you put your hands together and warmly welcome up our sister Karen. Come on Karen. Come on, make a bit of noise. That's not a good enough. <laughs> you are truly weird. Sister, uh, Karen's been Even part I'm of weird. Come on. Right. Karen's been part of our world for a long time. And uh, her beloved Rob uh, has supported her every step of the way. Karen, I know it's really hard to try to put into words um, your ministry at Fig Tree over many years. Karen worked for Rod uh, for a long time and myself. But as you look back and try to think about uh, all the things you've been involved in, and there have been many, what stands out? Oh, goodness. Um, I think uh, you know, a church can have a vision statement, of which we've got one. Um, to have an expanding influence on cities, um, communities, cities and nations. And I think this has been a church who really that is the heart of what this church is about and its people is about. And so having um, been able to be part of what that mission means both locally and nationally and internationally... Um, yeah, I've shared this morning, Rob and I are um, eternally, eternally grateful for the, the mission heart of this church which um, through creative outreach and some of you who've maybe been part of this church for a long time, you know, we did Lifting the Lid on Christianity and we did good old Summerfest and um, Kids Fun Days now and Letterbox Drops and that and through that 
um, Rob and I, we responded to that outreach and we came to this church and I think through the people here, um, the men and women who then invested into our lives, um, that put me on a path that took me where I am today um, and would never have known, um, but it was about embracing opportunities. So there's, it's always been about incredible opportunities and and I believe to um, a church that invests in the life of our young people. Mm. And so to be able to know what that meant for Rob and I with our own boys mm. um, and a son who ended up as an intern and then called into full-time ministry. And, mm. um, yeah, there is much richness here in the generosity of God's people. Mm. Um, should never lose. I don't want to ever lose sight of that. Uh, I mean, I had to. Say, you are retiring, Karen. We, we sort of—it's a word that you didn't want to uh, say, um, but it is true. Hard to believe. Um, what have you? Because we need. You all need to understand that without the impact and influence of—we call her affectionately KD—you've got no idea how much wouldn't have happened. Just wouldn't have happened. Uh, and uh, her heart for God, her involvement, let's just use one word, in everything, much to her own detriment, uh, it's been amazing. What have you learned about God along the way? What what has he taught you? What have you picked up? Um, I think the... I mean, my character, if I went back, I'm, I'm actually... I could be quite driven in the way I do things, um, very no, task no. orientated, <laughs> um, live my life through a spreadsheet, um, that, you know, yeah, absolutely, if you're out there, I'm with you, um, yeah, um, yeah, the one matters to God, the one matters, and I think as um, reading scripture, and as you read through it, and we, you read about the character of God, um, all that it says about him being compassionate and slow to anger and um, you know how, how wide and deep is his love, all of that is so true. And I think through the journey of life that Rob and I have been on, he's a wonderful man. He has supported me in incredible ways and he, he has waited for me to catch up to him to be in this space and he's sacrificed so much to allow me to have served the way I've served. And as we've journeyed together and the things that we've experienced, to see um, God's character come through in that, that he is true to his word, he is faithful, um, and that through the plans and the decisions that um, Rob and I have made together or or I've dragged him into... um, at times, I can admit that, <laughs> um, that, you know, that God has honoured those, that he placed certain things on my heart and those plans that were set before, but it's actually God who sets the steps we take um, as we go through those. So, uh, you know, the heart of God coming through and the heart of God through his people here mm-hmm. to just, it's just such a privilege. Rob and I, when we go on holidays, we try and find another church community to go to. On Sunday, we will gather and meet with a different group of people, but we've never found the heart that we've seen here. Um, I know other churches might think they've got that heart, Um, but the the faithful preaching, the teaching, um, the opportunities for our kids, um, those who've gone before, who've invested in such big ways 
to give us the ministry we've got here and this facility. You know, it was always about a platform for ministry mm. um, where the word of God would continue to go out. And so, you know, there we are rich in the blessing mm. of what God's given us. And he's just taught mm. me that, you know, this hand has to be open and loose to be generous. Mm. You know, it can't be a tight fist. Mm. Mm. Sister, I'm going to just ask the staff if they'd come up so we can uh, pray for Karen, uh, you all need to know I have never, I've worked for a long time now, I've never worked with someone as hard working, as dedicated, as passionate for the kingdom as I have with Karen. And uh, as a church, uh, both Rod, the former leader and myself, have been profoundly blessed as you guys have. It's just been a wonderful thing. And uh, Julianne's there somewhere. Uh, we've got to, you get to keep this now, Jill, uh, Karen. We've been giving her the same bunch of flowers all day, just in case you're wondering. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm not going to pretend otherwise. But you get to keep this and and the gift that goes with it, because in some way, you know, I've got no idea how we truly can thank Karen. It's just impossible. But uh, we just want to acknowledge that uh, as well. Julianne, you come through as a dear friend. Give that to uh, Karen. Give her a big hug. Uh, in a moment, we're going to cheer and whoop. But there's just before we finish, there's just one more message from someone I just want to show you. Uh, Rod, as you know, Karen Dixon's just about to retire. What are some of your reflections about uh, leading Karen? Well, first thing, Karen, is you can't, reply, you can't uh, retire. They say people are, irre uh, nobody's irreplaceable, but gee, I don't know how we're going to replace you in any way, shape or form. But, but my scenario is I, I just look upon your ministry with just enormous thankfulness. I can remember the time that you came to Fig Tree. I can remember when you uh, came on staff and I can remember your incredible hard work your diligence, your just supreme competence, and particularly the way you complimented and supported me. And for everybody at Fig Tree, I want to know that the things that happened in my time happened because I had a Karen Dixon behind the scenes making them happen. And how, what's going to happen to Fig Tree now? Well, that's, that's Ian's problem, and I'm glad it is his problem, but thank you, Karen, from the bottom of my heart for all the ministry things you did. Thanks. Yeah. Uh Go on, make some noise. You go, no, be louder than that. That's, that's half, you know. That's, that's a bit better. We're nearly there, nearly there. Uh, uh, we all love you dearly. You've impacted our lives. You have been an example of what it means to live a life worthy of God and especially someone who demonstrates those three key areas of faith, love and hope. Sister, we, God blessed us because he sent you to us all those years ago. And uh, So we're going to pray for you. So I'm going to get all the staff to gather around you, to lay hands on you. Yeah, Julianne, you can too. Uh, and I know all of you are doing this at the same time. So let's pray for our dear sister. Heavenly Father, we do thank you truly as Paul thanks you for the Colossians. We thank you for Karen. We thank you for we thank you for how you really wired her up to bless the kingdom, the ministry here and beyond. The number of people and churches that Karen herself has influenced, Father, it, goes, it is without number, so many. We thank you for her diligence, her spirit, the joy she's brought to us here. And Father, we ask indeed that you pour out your blessing upon her and Rob as a new chapter opens up. We just want to say, Father, may you continue to stir their hearts for mission, guide them into the future. And Father, may we never forget or take for granted each other, but always stop and give thanks for the workers you send us, like our sister Karen. And all God's people said, Amen. One more big thank you for Karen.
Isn't it good? She gets to keep the flowers now. I hope they're still okay. Uh, I'll just put this microphone back. It's important that we celebrate, uh, as I get towards the end, a life of faith. We're also called to not just... This is the... You know, really, as you hear about a worker like Karen, as you hear about... You know, that rotter, Rod Irvine, saying, oh, it's Ian's problem now. He's the dear brother, isn't he? Uh, Paul wraps it up and says this, For this reason, because of the good news of Jesus, since the day we heard about you, there's that we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. There it is again, the Holy Spirit. We can't do what we're called to do without the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Understand that. Uh, So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. KD, you have done that every single day. Uh, Bearing fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Two more characteristics of Karen. She has great endurance and patience. She was always tested by Rod, never by me, which isn't that good. Uh, And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. We are called to live a life worthy of of the calling we have. I'm not going to steal Norman Blackaby's thunder for the next two uh, Sundays as he talks about being called and accountable, about being on mission, about being on global mission, about being on local mission. I don't want to steal anything because I don't know what he's going to say. But indeed we need to set ourselves ready to be willing to be challenged to make a decision not just now but about the future. Uh, God, are you calling me for something beyond what I'm doing now? God, am I living a life worthy of you? Do I bring honour to you in my conversations? Do I bring honour to you with my life, my resources, my generosity, how I talk about others? God, am I doing that? And if not, what do I need to change? And more and more, God, as I get to know you, as I hear of others, help us live this life because it matters. It matters because we are living during a time when so many people are far from God in our culture. Paul acknowledges the wonderful power of God in this context. And he wants us to be reminded that we all have this call of faith. It's not just for those who go to Dubai, not just for those who go somewhere else. We all have this call of faith on our lives, no matter where God has placed us. And it's so important we grab hold of that. And it's important we grab hold of that because... Depending on whether we think the world still needs to hear the good news of Jesus will determine so much of our future and your future. Let me try and help you understand this by setting the scene. And I know, uh, gee, most of us weren't born then. 1940. 27th of May, 1940. World War II. The word Dunkirk might mean something to you all. Winston Churchill is the Prime Minister in England. He says this, uh, there's over 300,000 soldiers who needed to be rescued, who needed to be rescued and it would appear they were not going to be. In fact, Churchill made the comment that he said it looks like probably only 20 to 30,000 might escape back to England. It was dire straits. Dire straits. Unless something happened, thousands upon thousands would die. They had no hope. There was no salvation, nothing coming. They'd be lost. Before I go on to give you a sense of that, please watch the screen. Uh, It's the movie Dunkirk. 
hundreds upon hundreds of ships, no matter their size, no matter their shape, came to save those hundreds of thousands of soldiers. Sometimes I watch that clip and especially those on that big boat, I feel like, feel like the angels are there cheering on saying, save them, save them. And everyone was involved. Just like every one of us is called to be involved in such a work and such a ministry. Uh, and, and I just love that because you see more and more people need to hear of the good news of Jesus. 27th of May 1940. I wonder how many people here know what happened on the 26th of May 1940. On the 26th of May, the day before that rescue operation, this is what happened. Uh, seeing the situation developing, His Majesty King George VI requested that Sunday, the 26th of May 1940, should be observed as a national day of prayer. In a stirring broadcast, he called the people of Britain and of the Empire to commit their cause to God. And you see those cues there? They're not cued for coffee. They're not cued for some awesome sermon. They're not cued for any connection with their friendship. They are cued there in lines like that to do what? To pray. To pray because often it's only when there are dire straits or your perspective of life or a loved one is facing a terrible disaster do we stop and say, Heavenly Father, do something. A nation stopped. Of course, the movie Dunkirk made no mention of this. And you might say it's coincidence. You might, I wouldn't. I look at that picture and I think, I'm amazed. It shouldn't surprise you that I'm amazed to see a nation thinking we need God to work. And again, depending on your perspective of whether people have hope of heaven or not will determine your passion and your motivation to actually share the news of Christ. Wouldn't it be great to come to 6pm service one night and you couldn't get past the front door because there was a queue outside praying and you're walking in thinking what's going on here revival's broken out you see I love this uh, comment from uh, the journalist Hunter Thompson a life should not be a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving being safely in a pretty and well preserved body but rather to skid in broadside in a cloud of smoke thoroughly used up totally worn out and loudly proclaiming wow Would it be like Rod's story and get another pacemaker to say, keep going, Lord? Otherwise, maybe Benjamin Franklin is truer for us, which he says this. Some people die at 25, but they're not buried till 75. Terrible thought, but it's true. Because too many people live their life thinking, oh. And you hear them, you see them, you think, why? And if you know Christ, why are you not motivated? to speak to others about what Christ has done in your life and the lives of others. I wonder why you think this thought stirs my heart from Stuart's book. He speaks and writes about revivals in Australia, 1871 to 1889, a long, long time ago. Why did the church enjoy such spiritual prosperity? The people prayed before the services beseeching the Lord to anoint the preachers. They therefore preached with great confidence in an inspiring atmosphere and because the church uplifted Christ, Christ honoured us with his presence and hundreds came to faith in Christ. 
Who'd have thought that praying makes such a difference? Who would have thought that God's people saying, Heavenly Father, that poor bloke Ian is preaching tonight, he needs supernatural power tonight. Give it to him or we're, we're, we're doomed. Heavenly Father, Maddie's up, Shane, it wouldn't matter who's... Do you pray like that? Many of us gather together at 5.30 to pray, Father, do a work tonight, do a powerful work through your spirit tonight. Brothers and sisters, uh, we are all called, like Paul challenges us, to live a life worthy. We need to be assessing our lives. We need to work out how to make our life count. We need to work out, are we living a life indeed of faith, love and hope? Are we active in that way? And uh, as the band comes up, I want to give you all a chance. So because my view is that we're all called to mission, I'd like you all to stand up. Could you do that for me? But it's also true that there are people who in particular God is stirring their hearts for a future life of mission. So I want to do two things tonight. Uh, How many people know that there's a breakfast for the mission coming up? Uh, And so it's our sixth World Missions Conference. Peter, is that right? So I want to sponsor six young adults to come to the breakfast So the first six young adults who want to see me after the service, I'll sponsor you to come and eat and enjoy and hear from other missionaries as I pray for you. I need your name so I can register, so I can pray for you that God will use you. There's six of you who want that. Come and see me after the service. Secondly, uh, there are people in this group who need to truly assess the life that God has given them and to truly assess their future and to truly say, Father, I want you to use me for greater purposes. So I'm going to ask you all to bow, bow your heads, close your eyes, But there are those here who I'm going to ask you to raise your hands now so I can pray a special prayer upon you so that indeed if you have a heart for God to use you for his work in a particular way, raise your hands so I can pray for you that indeed the Spirit will move in such a way that it will open new doors and fresh doors for the future that we may not even know about. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all of us because we're all called. Father, we don't even know what the future holds, but for those today, Father, tonight, who have their hands raised, we ask a special anointing and a blessing upon them that new doors will be opened for their future, no matter their age, no matter the journey they've come, but, Father, there's a new journey to be had. So, Father, we ask and we submit ourselves before you that more and more can be raised up to be kingdom workers so that more people can hear about you. Father, there is a world still to be changed and we ask humbly that you may even use us to bring about that change. And God's people said, Amen.